Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connections, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. Today I have Paul Pellinger, who is the co-founder and vision leader for Recovery Unplugged, an innovative approach to addiction therapy which puts music as the catalyst for positive and long-lasting change. He started with a treatment facility in South Florida, and he has now grown into a national recognized movement with multiple locations. He's also the author of the recently published book, Music is Our Medicine, and has been featured on ABC, NBC, and multiple radio stations across the nation. Hello, Paul, and thank you for being in Back to Basics. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is, I feel so honored. I mean, I have a, a guest of your caliber. Is uh, I'm super excited. You know, I actually feel a little bit more honored because I know today, indirectly or directly, you're going to probably help more people than you know, just by talking about not only addiction, but a solution for it. I love it. And you know, that's honestly, when I started my path and my journey with this podcast, it's about going back to basics. And I mean, I cannot think of a more appropriate situation when you've been struggling in your life, when you've had issues and you ended up in a place you didn't want to be. How can you get, you know, come back to a, a full life, a joyful life? And obviously, thank you for the book. You send it to me. It's uh, amazing stuff. My husband is a musician. Uh, nice. Also, so definitely he saw it on my desk. He said, I'm going to have to read that. And <laughs> I already know of a few people that I'm going to give this book to. So <laughs> definitely very, very helpful. So, you know, I definitely, we're going to chat about the book and about the good work that uh, you are facilitating through Recovery Unplugged. But I want to hear about you and your journey. And I know that uh, music has been part of your life since you were a young kid, Right. Yeah. So I guess the first thing to say is I am not a musician okay. and 90% of the clients at Recovery Unplugged are not musicians. Okay. Um, I did grow up 10 or 15 miles away from the original Woodstock site in oh. upstate New York. Wow. So between my parents exposing me to music at an early age and being surrounded by like a hub where a lot of concerts and musicians would kind of, let's just say, collaborate every summer. I definitely saw the benefits of music at a very early age. Okay, that's, that's great. And so when you, when you were, you know, involved in this music, you know, probably you wanted to do something with it. Did your career path take you early on towards that or you had a different career <laughs> path? And, yeah. And yeah, that's a great question. Maybe I should start from the beginning. Yeah. There's no way that I knew, and one day I'm going to be using music to help combat addiction. Mm -hmm. um, I went through my own struggles with my own addiction back in the 1980s and entered treatment at a very early age. And then at, as my recovery unfolded, I became credentialed and uh, licensed as an addictions professional. Okay. And I started working in the field 
combating addiction. And what I noticed early on was that what I was being taught to do in school wasn't the best way to handle addiction. In other words, like they were teaching me to focus on warning you about the consequences if you didn't listen to my suggestions and stay away from people, places, and things, and don't go to bars and 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 all that stuff, which is true. However, what I learned early on um, was that it was real important to know we have to figure out a way how to provide recovery from addiction to be more of a payoff than getting high. In other words, fear is not going to work. It could be a motivator, but for addicts and alcoholics, it is not a deterrent. So it occurred to me growing up 10 or 15 miles away from the original Woodstock site, I would watch my family come home from my parents, come home from a hard day's work and they would be tired and my dad would be a little ornery, a little angry. And then my mom would put on music and I would watch how their energy level changed. I watched how their mood changed. They were smiling. Now, again, I'm like four years old, right? Eight years old. I noticed in hindsight that music had the same assets that I needed as a clinician, as a provider, to be a catalyst for change, for long-term recovery. So as a clinician, what is my job? My job is to establish rapport with you. My job is to maybe lower your anxiety. My job is to help change your mood, um, help you retain things, the necessary skill sets, behaviors and information needed for long-term recovery. Also, music is very unifying. Like, have you ever been to a concert? Absolutely. Right. So how is it, right, like that we could be standing next to people who are from different cultures, from, from different age groups, socioeconomic backgrounds, whatever, but yet we're all jumping up and down. To the same beat. One yeah. beat, right, they say. I, I remember seeing um, the Rolling Stones uh, tour in South America back in the 1980s, and the people there did not speak English. But they knew every word from every song that was in English from the Rolling Stones. And I, I, just, I just know there's a lot, of, um, a lot of assets that music can be, be used for. So I started experimenting as a therapist back in 1993, um, <laughs> you know, using different songs and music in my group and individual sessions. And remember, I am not a musician. It just occurred to me that music helped me. Maybe I could start using it to help others. And you right? consider what helped you in your own addiction? You consider that was music? Music was the Simon Says and the catalyst. So, okay. for instance, I knew I needed to eat right. I knew I needed to work out. I needed to, to go to meetings. I, need, I needed to uh, have support. The problem is I couldn't depend on my own head to consistently do that. But what I noticed is when a certain song came on, it motivated me to go work out. It motivated me to, you know, call somebody if I needed help. That's the problem in my opinion, with treatment of addiction, let alone life, is, is we all need something to be our catalyst, our Simon Says, mm -hmm. whether you're an addict or not. 
That's amazing. I personally have always uh, gone to music for feeling better. And yes. uh, I realized as a young person, you know, like I would always shower and I have music playing. I would always have music <laughs> playing, always. Then, right. you know, I got married, I had the kids and, and you forget about that because wh right. that's what marriage does <laughs> and yeah. families, you forget about what you enjoy. Right. And then it's not that long ago that I started again, you know, with my Bluetooth speaker to, right. you know, especially when, when I am in the house and the, the kids are not there or my husband is, and then I do what I used to do, right? which is listen to, and, and I can immediately feel better. So I yes. guess I, I, I'm with you uh, in, in a well, different well, way. Well, yeah. I mean, not only that, but I remember a comedian um, making a joke about why is the alphabet in that order? Is it because of that song? And it occurred to me, yeah, I learned the ABCs yeah. through the song. So music can also be used to help people remember things, retain certain things. That's one of the problems, not only with treatment of addiction. In other words, what could be done in 30 days of treatment could be undone in 30 minutes. Yes. Because we're not teaching clients how to retain that information. So if they can associate a certain song with a particular issue or topic or whatever they need to get through, then all they have to do when they leave treatment is play that song. That's why at Recovery Unplugged, when clients leave our treatment center, we give them musical prescriptions in the form of earbuds and an MP3 player with specific songs that are identified for whatever issue, topic, or skill set they need. Does that make sense? What Abs absolutely. Yeah. I think it's brilliant, to be honest with you. I think that's uh, very compelling. So obviously you, you decided to write a book about, uh, so it's very intertwined, right? Because your book is also the story of Recovery Unplugged and how it yeah. came about. Right, right. right. So, yes. so tell me more about the book. This is, uh, I have it in my hands and it's, it gives very, it's not just the stories. So yes, so that people <laughs> hear it. I want you to know for all of you out there that it, it, it's also very, you know, it, it is a framework and it has a lot of information here that it's already helpful. So it's not just the story of how this came to be. It's also a tool that anybody can use if they're struggling with something. You know, you're saying something more wise than you know, in that I originally intended this book to be for the sick and suffering addict, the family members, and even maybe clinicians who were trying a different way. Mm -hmm. but, but to be honest with you, the, the majority of the responses that I'm getting from this book are, hey, Paul, I was stuck in traffic on I-95 coming out of Miami on a Friday. I was really upset and concerned. And you know what? I did what you said. I put on one of my favorite songs and I cranked it up. And temporarily, it changed my mood. Yeah. It made the traffic, although it was still rough, a little bit more manageable. And I was able to deal with it. And I wasn't, you know, in this particular case, cursing at people for cutting <laughs> me off. So, so you know, that's exactly what's been going on. I believe, especially in, in today's life, um, living life on life's terms with the daily stressors that go on in our life, it's real important to learn tools, to learn how to cope. And there are two things I've never heard since I've been alive or since I've been helping combat addiction. One, I'm a cannibal. <laughs> and two, I hate music. Yes. So everyone loves music. Everyone 
has has a favorite song. And so we just figured out at Recovery Unplugged a way to harness that, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, uh, I definitely um, love the approach because I also, I have obviously friends, I think we all have friends that are struggling uh, with addiction and you try to help. And uh, I had never particular. well, we all have some sort of addictions, yeah, right? Yeah, but I right. never suffer with substance addiction, although I'm Italian, so the wine can be, you know, when I go and feel <laughs> the, the thing, how many glasses of wine do you have? I say, oh, <laughs> maybe I have <laughs> right. more than I should. But in any right. case, uh, right. never to a point where I cannot control, right? That right. you say, that must be very weakening for your soul when you want to do something and you don't find the self-discipline to do it. Yeah. Uh, I can imagine that's really uh, would, would at least put me in a very bad place. But I have friends that I know are struggling and the way they do it, like you, you invite them to a party or you want to be with them. And unfortunately, what at the party, there's alcohol. So they have to isolate themselves so that they don't get tempted so that they can recover. And that always makes me very sad because it's almost like a vicious cycle where yes. instead of being more part of your friend's life, you almost have to be away from your friends so that you can be in a good place. And I've always mentally said, how can I help them, you know, to, yeah. to, to not isolate themselves? Well, again, you're saying something more wise than you probably know. There's no one who's watching this or listening to this who hasn't directly or indirectly been affected by addiction or alcoholism. The key with all of this is learning how to have fun in recovery, mm -hmm. right? In other words, if I'm going to be anxious and depressed and miserable, I say, well, I stay clean. I don't care how much therapy you go to. So I don't know if you know this or not, but music appeals to the same pleasure centers of the brain that drugs and alcohol do. Mm. There's science behind this. It releases the same endorphins. It increases the same dopamine levels, the same serotonin levels. So in essence, what we're doing at Recovery Unplugged is we're teaching clients how to get high without using, which then makes recovery more of a payoff than getting high. The other great thing, and I knew music was going to work, even though my friends were making fun of me, like, what is this? Is this some gimmick? Like, how is this going to work? But I had no idea we were going to attract some pretty famous and legendary musicians who are now directly and indirectly a part of what we're doing. And they're out there about their own recovery. In other words, when I first got into recovery myself and into the treatment of addiction, it was a really bad stigma attached to addiction. And by the way, there's, it still is. But it's getting a lot better. So, but when you have like people like Steven Tyler from from Aerosmith and and oh Manute, people from Manute, there's so many people. If uh, if anybody ever wants to go at recoveryunplugged.com, you'll see all the artists that have come by to not only share their story with the clients but also perform. It, it makes it a little bit more manageable and a little bit more okay to see if Demi Lovato could come out and talk about her struggles and now she's back in recovery, then I have hope too. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and yeah, I, I, I read that, that Steven Tyler said that Recovery Unplugged showed that music can be magic. That's which right. We all kind of instinctively know that there's something there. And as you said, it's available for anybody. It's, yes. 
it's, uh, I, I would say, quote unquote, free. It's not something you're going to break yes. the bank, right. you know, purchasing. Right. And it's available for anybody to to tap into it. So right. it's definitely putting two and two together. It's amazing, though, how, for example, musicians that have that resource always available to them are also traditionally substance abusers. What's well, your take on that? So first of all, before I answer that question, this is the second time you use the word amazing. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, that's where this all started. Let me explain. Okay. In 1993, as a therapist in my 20s, I was experimenting with using music in my sessions. A song by Aerosmith came out called Amazing. And those of us who were in recovery back then knew that was all about recovery. If you weren't in recovery, you just thought it was another Aerosmith ballad and it was good and they won a Grammy, yay, right? But the words were very, very, you know, poignant towards people in recovery. Richie Supa who is now my creative director of recovery, wrote that song with Steven Tyler. Wow. I had no idea 20, 30, 25 plus years later, him and I would be working together. And, and just a quick story on how that song even came about. And these how, this is how songwriters think, okay? Okay. Richie is at a um, convention of Narcotics Anonymous, back in 1992, and a girl comes up to him with one day clean and says, I'm really struggling. And Richie says, gives her a hug and says, are you okay? And she says, all my life, I kept the right ones out and let the wrong ones in. Immediately, he thought to himself, I better call Steven Tyler. I guess his singer-songwriter instincts kicked in. He called Steven Tyler, Steven, All my life, I kept the right ones out, let the wrong ones in. Steven Tyler replied, yeah, I had an angel of mercy to see me through all my sin. Richie goes, that's amazing. Steven goes, that's the name of the song. Wow. And that, if if you believe in a higher power or you believe at least there's something greater going on here, that tells me that, you know, there, there's truth in that because that was the start of Stephen and Richie from Aerosmith, along with many other musicians they have helped over the years to get clean and and talk about their own sobriety and recovery, um, started with with a song like that. Well, that just explained to me why you're also in your title is Vision Leader. Yes. Because what you just did to me is that, is you explained how a vision came many years ago and how it validated, probably without you knowing where it was going to take you. Right. And that's amazing. That's yeah. that's why I have to use the word, because yes. then you get to work with these people you admire, with this, and everything just clicks in a way that it's, yes. I do believe in higher powers, and, and I believe in the messages we put in the universe. And I'm very strong about that, because I think that's the biggest handicap sometimes that people have, is that they have their own limitation that whatever they dream cannot be true. Correct. And once you have their own limitation, it's very hard for good things to come to life, right? And Yeah, I, I am proof, by the way, of what you're saying, which is why one of my favorite books I've ever read was called Creative Visualization by Shakti Guan. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back like 20, 30 years I read it. And and yes, I knew instinctively that music was gonna work, but I really had no idea that there was so much science behind this, 
right? Like I just thought John Lennon and Paul McCartney were musical geniuses and divinely inspired. By the way, I still believe that. However, now there's a lot of science, like I told you, behind the music. Uh, Nova Southeastern University has been gathering empirical data on us now for the past four years, and they're confirming humbly what I already know. And that that is our results are about four times better than the national average. The clients who leave against medical advice are five times better. We have over a 95% approval rating from our clients and staff. Why is that? Because music has the ability to unite. Music has the ability. I did not realize that when my clinicians incorporate music in their sessions, it improves their mood too. And then that makes them more effective. And by the way, we have locations in Lake Worth, Fort Lauderdale, Austin, Texas, Northern Virginia, and we just opened up in Nashville. And and so it's really more of a movement than a treatment center steps from the ocean in sunny Fort Lauderdale. Okay, so I'm letting you know that this vision, as you have alluded to, was born out of frustration that over 60,000 Kids are dying every year from the opiate epidemic. And, and all we, we have to take ownership as, a, as an industry, as a clinician, as a provider. What is our part in it? Instead of blaming the client or they were you know brought up in this bad neighborhood, whatever the excuse is, what's our part in it? And I realized early on that what, what I was being taught to do in school wasn't the most effective way to do it. So I stepped outside the box, knew it, knowing that I was going to potentially, you know, turn some people off or be viewed as a gimmick or whatever. But I was clear in my heart that music had the same assets needed for long-term recovery that we've all been striving for. And by the way, we, we have medical doctors and psychiatrists and nurses and licensed clinicians and all of the, the disciplines. I want to make sure people know you're not just coming here to listen to somebody play guitar. Like that's not what's going on here. We have all of the it's not music therapy in the in the in the grand sense. It's it's a way that we use music to engage the existing evidence based models. That that's fascinating, and so I'm putting myself in the in the position of someone that needs help, right? Okay. Well, as a mom, I'm thinking we should have music like therapy in all schools. We know they have music, but it's not the music that kids wanna shake it to. I have a five year old, and she shakes it depending what song she's <laughs> singing, right? So, so again, you're saying something more wise than you know. I created a foundation called Face the Music Foundation. Okay. And the goal is to help raise awareness, change a stigma attached to addiction, and offer people treatment if they don't have money or insurance in quality treatment centers. Now, what I also do is believe in prevention. So when I go to high schools, or my staff goes to high schools or middle schools, or in my cases, colleges, I don't just get up there and present a whole bunch of what I would call psychobabble with bullet points and here are the dangers. I bring a musician with me, whether it's a hip hop artist to deal with certain age groups, whether it's a classic rock and roll artist, whether it's a violinist, 
it helps engage the presentation. And then once you get your audience to engage, and by the way, I've been told I'm okay at speaking, but really it's about the music. The music is what not only engages the audience, but it also makes it more memorable. Yeah. Well, so, you're very okay. For the record, you're very okay at speaking. You're uh, oh, thank you very you're much. Very I gotta engaging. hang out with you more often. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're cool. in Florida, so that can happen. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things you know, one of the things that's important to note is every Friday from 1:45 p.m. till around 3 p.m., we invite outside guests to actually sit in on a group with the clients, so they could see it for themselves, and that's when you'll see a former member of Aerosmith and the rest of the band performing certain songs specifically that were written for recovery and addiction. And it's a, what we call a cognitive behavioral therapy approach, because even though I know you and your audience is understanding what I'm saying right now, until you see it for yourself, it's hard. It's hard to get. We also live stream it for people who don't have the ability, but you have no excuse. Yeah, you're, I can come. A, I would love to. <laughs> I, w- I would love to. I think it's, uh, you know, anything that can help, you know, bring in awareness, helping others, and it just makes sense. And I think you have a great program, great tool, exciting, you yeah. know. And, and I say, I think uh, you don't have to be uh, struggling with a, a strong addiction. It's just every day we all struggle with something. That's right. uh, we get put down by work, something not going our way. That's Correct. also addiction, being in, in a poor mood. So this is something that we can all use. Again, I don't know how many times I have to say this, but you're saying something more wise than you know, in that drugs and alcohol are really a symptom of the problem. It's all about what you just said. Distorted perceptions, low poor self-image, low self-esteem, negative behaviors, things of that nature that contribute to people to look for something on the outside to make them feel better. It it could be drugs. It could be shopping. It could be sex. It could be food, whatever it is. The, The key is to learn how to be okay with yourself and not needing that external stimuli, if that makes sense. And that's the great thing about music. It can help kind of center you, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and these days, I mean, the statistics and, and your web pages, of course, I will share it on, on the show notes. The statistics you have there are huge, you know, and, and obviously the, you know, it has been defined America's epidemic, the substance abuse. And you right. get the news and you see no matter who it is, a, a prominent journalist like Anthony Bourdain or, a, or yes. an actress, or even, you know, your the son of, of your high school teacher, which right. does happen in our high school. And, yeah. and the mental illness, and, and it's yes. so strong, unfortunately, what we're having to leave that we have to take control and we all have to contribute to find ways for our young youngsters never to get there. Right. Well, it starts with prevention. It starts with exposing the myths surrounding addiction and alcoholism. It's also important to focus on, you know, how to put it out there in the community where people feel comfortable talking about what they what they think or they feel. And I'm just grateful we're on to something that's providing, you know, that solution. 
Absolutely. So, and you with your book are going to help so many people. So tell me about the book. You can buy it on Amazon, I think, right? Yes. Yes. And so anybody can go get your copy or give it to someone, you know, maybe, you know, you read it, you find ways how to help. And, and, and there's always someone that needs maybe a little inspiration if they're struggling with something. So you're on a full tour book. What's going on with the book? Tell me about it. So what's going on with the book is, is again, mostly it was out of love in terms of trying to help people just, you know, live life on life's terms. It became a, a bestseller um, in, in, in the past. And thank you very much. And um, really, to be honest with you, I whenever we hire new staff and we have almost 400 employees now, that's part of the application. They have to read my book. So they get kind of who... So point being is I mostly give them away and, 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 and that's because I want to share with people that music really can be medicine, that music can really have the ability to kind of help kind of change you. And when I say music, I don't just mean like a live song. Sometimes people have difficulty sharing what they think or they feel, but I guarantee you somebody's written a song about it. Yes, so could you imagine if I matched up the lyric with what you're thinking and feeling? It also not only puts words in your mouth, but it will help now anchor you to the song, which then can be used to reframe how you're thinking about things. Uh, yeah, you know that my husband, as I share, he's an engineer, but he's also a musician. And it's funny because I sometimes tell him, oh, I love that song. And he's like what's in it? You know, like uh, he sees it as a musician, right? The musical right. component. And right. I have always paid attention to the lyrics. I yeah. know so many people get surprised by how many songs I can sing to. Wow. Because I love, I love the lyrics in, in the songs. Ooh, and, who comes to your mind? Help me understand who you like. In terms of music? Well, yeah, I, what, kind, what comes to mind? Depending my stage in life. Like okay. I, can, I can relate to, well, my favorite song it's a leaf for loving you by gloria stefan that's the one oh, song if i'm on a dessert island no matter how i'm feeling if i have one song to listen to my whole life that's a yes. song i would want you see and that that's fantastic see george noriega who used to be in the miami sound machine helped produce richie's album called enemy uh -huh. so we we know all these people i only say that to say there's no surprise i love gloria stefan And, and, and some of her songs just touch you in the heart and yes. help you sometimes, in my case, cry over, I think, of uh, past relationships or yes. something like that. But, but it also becomes very cathartic. By, by sometimes crying, that's not a bad thing. It helps you let go of things. Yeah, but also I think I read in your book that there's uh, of a story of someone that a particular song reminded him about, you know, his family, his wife, and uh, and that's when you realize, oh, wow, this is powerful. And and I attach it to, like, Gloria Stefan for me is my younger years. And then I have right. Sarah McLaughlin, my my toughest breakup. And, and I have Enya <laughs> also when I went to study abroad and I felt like, you know, only time will tell what's going to happen. Right. So every song or every uh, performer also brings me something different. Yes. And so, but my husband never pays attention to the lyrics. What kind of musician is he? <laughs> he studied jazz improvisation. He's a guitar player. 
Wow. And he's very good, I have to say. But uh, now you we have, have to, you have to, when when we're off the air or whatever, we have to connect. I want to invite you and your husband to come Absolutely. see what we're doing. Absolutely. Seriously. Because one of my missions, and he's been on my podcast, it's episode three or four. You know, when you see someone and when he plays, he's completely a different person. Yes. Than when he's doing his his normal job. And I just, he doesn't get to do it that much now because he has a very demanding job and it pains me because I know that's a part of his, of, for him that's so important. Right. And we're going through life without getting to do what we love the most. And so I always say I have to find a way where I can want to get him more involved again. So this might be a way to get him more involved. If Richie finds out that he's a good guitar player, I'm just saying he'll probably invite him up on stage. I'm telling you, I wouldn't I wouldn't don't don't worry about that. Like if you don't if you're if he's uncomfortable with it, we won't do it. But that's the kind of improv stuff that we do. That is really magical. I love it. He's a great guitar player. He's very humble. Yeah. And so, we, well, as a funny story, I had, there's a very famous uh, Venezuelan singer. I'm from Venezuela. He, okay. I interview him on this podcast too, Frank Quintero. And one okay. day I'm home and the phone rings. And mind you, my husband is Dutch. He's from the Netherlands. So nothing okay. to do with Venezuela. He lived there, but. And he okay. shows me the phone and he say, look who's calling. And it was Frank Quintero. <laughs> For me, it was like, I'm almost fainting. I'm like, why is right. he calling you? So wow. oh, he, he's asking me to play his new tour. And I'm like, you're kidding me, you know? Wow, so that's how that's good crazy. he is, but he's too humble and yeah. he hasn't played for a while. So he'll probably tell you, I'll have to play a little bit before I go. Part, of, what, part of what we're doing at Recovery Unplugged is, is we've created an I Party Sober campaign. I love so that. we turned it on to, you know, we're involved with like a Tortuga, a Riptide, Chili Cook-Off, a bunch of stuff all over the country. And originally the goal was when people go to concerts, not everybody wants to get high and drunk. But because so many people are, they want to have a spot where they can hang out with people who are clean and sober. So originally that was the goal to provide that. What it transitioned into is the artists who are in recovery started finding out this is what we were doing. And now they want us backstage with them between sets to kind of hang out. So they're not tempted to drink or drug. And and for me, I don't know. Have you ever been backstage at a major show or concert? It's crazy. I'm a starstruck eye guy in any way, but when I'm backstage looking out at the thousands of people, I, I mean, I, look here, look who I just got to meet. We'll see if I see the picture. Oh my God, I don't see it. It's too far. Is this? Oh my God, that's, that's uh, the, the Rolling, Rolling Stones. Stones. Holy yes. cannoli. So, I mean, li- literally, I knew music was going to work, but I literally had no idea. There were so many people. Um, a couple of members in that particular band are out there about their own recovery now. So, I say all that to say, The goal that I have, not only at Recovery Unplugged, but me as just a person, is to make sure that we're providing people an alternative to use drugs and or alcohol, as well as learn how to just live life on life's terms without struggling with the normal anxieties and depressions. And I figured out a way how to harness that. I humbly believe it could work for anyone. And the reality is it is evidenced by our, our results, our outcomes, our statistics. And I'm extremely grateful for that. 
Well, I'm a big admirer and humbly too, through my podcast, I'm very happy that I know we're going to reach people that are going to hear your words and that they're going to find this useful. And to me, the biggest thing is what happens if someone that it's not in one of the areas where you have a location, they want to get help? What would be that process like? Well, first of all, we have clients coming to our facilities from all over the country. And one of the reasons why we strategically placed in Austin, Texas, Nashville, Northern Virginia, and in South Florida is we can now reach the entire country. Although we don't get a lot of clients from like California because there's options over there, usually anything east of the Mississippi, we're getting clients from all over the country. Great. They they will go, well, the webpage is going to be for sure on the show notes and all okay. your contact information. Okay. And, uh, I, you know, I just want to give you an option to, to just send a final message. I'm a fan. I think the work you're doing is amazing. And, yeah. uh, and definitely any way that we can support that initiative, it's, uh, it, it would be a pleasure. Thank you. I would only say, um, in my experience, if you think you have a problem... You probably do. And Recovery Unplugged is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we will provide you with the necessary information, education, awareness, and or treatment if you need it. And there is a solution. That's fantastic, Apple. Thank you so much. And, you know, guys, check out the webpage. They have an amazing amount of information there, statistics, prior famous musicians that have been part of the program. It's really amazing resources you have there. So congrats on that, too, because it's very well put together. Thank you. And uh, you have you have you have an open invitation to come on Back to Basics anytime. It's been fantastic chatting with you, Paul. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And uh, good luck, and we'll be following all your successes. Thank you. Thank you very much again. Bye-bye. Bye. And until the next time. Bye.